Hey Conjugate Chat friends, this is Mike Cunningham from Gill Athletics and I need your help or maybe I need to help you. See, we have a crap ton of rubber bumper plates and other weight room items that we need to clearance. We need to clear them out of our factory. That's right, a crap ton. That's the official measurement. All offers will be considered. Email me at mcunningham at gillathletics.com to see the full list and check out the show notes right here on Conjugate Chats for a link to see the items and my email address. Thanks everybody and stay strong. And welcome back to another episode of the Conjugate Chats. Before going into the episode, I want to thank everyone for tuning in to this episode and uh, taking the time to sit down and just listen in on what we got going on here on the podcast today. Uh, a couple of things before we get going into the episode is uh, I want to do a couple ad reads for our sponsors, starting with the DOYSC, the Department of Young Strength Coaches. This group is designed for young strength coaches wanting to go into the field of strength conditioning, whether that's CSCS prep, GA or internship opportunities, or even live discussions. They are a resource for young coaches to take advantage of. I'll put the link to the Discord in the description of this episode. Also, Team Builder. Team Builder is a software for performance coaches around the world. Their powerhouse platform provides Coaches with the elevated experience when it comes to program development, data tracking, and staying connected with athletes and clients. Team Builder is also full of tools that coaches need, like multiple max training methods, 16 plus reports, evaluation testing, and goal setting to name a few. Coaches also have access to consultations with Team Builder's in-house sports scientists to help manage and analyze data. Head to teambuilder.com and sign up with the promo code CONJUGATE to receive a 30-day free trial as well as a 52-week football workout program. Please be sure to sit back, listen in, and enjoy this episode of the Conjugate Chats. Thank you. And welcome back to another episode of the Conjugate Chat. I'm your host, John Mark Raspberry, current strength coach over at Dyer County High School. I have on today Lyle Henley, who is the director of sport performance for football at UAB. Coach, welcome to the Conjugate Chat. It's awesome to have you on. Thank you. Glad to be here. Awesome, man. So let's tell the listeners a little bit about you, you know. Uh, what's your role to strength conditioning? How'd you get into strength conditioning? Why the college realm? All that good, wonderful stuff. Well, I would say the thing that the reason I got into it was, uh, you know, coming up playing high school sports. Uh, we didn't have a strength coach. And I went to a camp when I was younger uh, at the University of Arkansas. And I was I was a really skinny kid in middle school and high school. You know, I was fairly athletic, but but really skinny, struggled to put on weight. And uh, the strength coach here at Arkansas at the time uh, sat down and talked to me about gaining weight. And I, I didn't know what a strength coach was. And I went up and we got the little tour of the weight room. And I got to see that he had the guys in different categories. And it just amazed me. So when I got back, you know, I, I went all in as, as a high school student working working out, you know, five days a week, finding ways to get work in and 
looking up all the stuff I could uh, at the local library. You know, it's a long time ago. It was before the internet. You know, you just couldn't look it up on your phone. So, you know, through different ordering training journals, everything I could. Then when I was, I was blessed enough to get a college scholarship and really had a good relationship with um, with my uh, college strength conditioning coach at Louisiana Tech University. And really got into that world, and it's something I pursued. And when I was through playing college ball, my head coach got me in touch with Coach Joe Miller, who is a legend in strength conditioning field. And he set me up with Terry Jones, senior at uh, the University of Alabama. I went there to do graduate assistant uh, ship with him, and then at the same time, I interned at the Atlanta Falcons. So we we're going up on you know the weekends every couple months or whatever, and working with Coach Miller and also working with uh, Coach Jones there at University of Alabama. Then I, you know, really started, you know, getting deep into it. And I went back to Louisiana Tech University and got the head job after spending a year back as an assistant um, at age 25. So, you know, was there for two or three years as an assistant and the head guy at Louisiana Tech. And then from there, I moved into the private sector. And in the private sector, I moved down into the uh, Spanish Fort Daphne Mobile area. It's where my, I met my wife at University of Alabama, and she was from that area. So we decided to move down there, started our own company called the Athlete Factory. She was a former uh, athlete herself, a softball pitcher. So we had a facility, and she did pitching lessons and softball, and I did strength conditioning. And that, moved, that went on for about 11 years in the last two years i sold my company to d1 sports went to work for them nationally started doing combine training specifically and from there um one of my facilities was uh by uh, bill clark who was who ended up being a good friend of mine i was doing some consultation work for him you know we all know the work he'd done in the college setting and he asked me to come back in 2016 when they brought the program back at uab never planned to get back into the strength conditioning world, as far as the college setting, I really enjoyed the private sector. I was working high school uh, mainly, but I tell you what, we were blessed, went out on a leap of faith, jumped out and took this job and have been through, uh, been here ever since. And luckily I got kept by Coach Dilfer, believing what we were doing. And so rest is pretty much, we'll see what happens from here. Awesome, Coach. And to go from, you know, the, the college sector to the private sector, you know, back to the college sector, what draw you to the college sector? Why not stay in private? Why not go, you know, to the high school realm? You know, I mean, I, golly, I loved working in the high school realm. I loved it. I like pureness of it. I like the, what I could see with developing athlete really are from early stages and up. And um, I tell you, I, I like I said, I'd never planned on getting back into the college setting, but I became so busy in the private sector because we had we, we were very successful in that. We had, at one time I had five different facilities, and I kept scaling down to get to one. And I honestly, and this I know this sounds crazy, but um, the I was actually got into the college sector to be able to spend a little bit more time with my family, you know. At the time, high schools weren't really, you know, there was one or two, maybe three high schools in the state of Alabama. I mean, this is this wasn't that long ago, probably 20, 2015, 2016, that had full-time strength conditioning coaches. We were outsourcing everything. So I was working at 
five or different five or six different high schools. I had one main one, which was Spanish Fort High School. We still did work other places. I was also doing combine training and usually going off and training at different facilities because I'd went I sold my company to D one. So I was going and training in West Palm Beach for three months. I was going and training, you know, wherever Orlando. Uh, we went to Jackson, Mississippi one time in a great combine class there at the great facility. But I was spending, uh, we had, had kids, I have a 13 year, 11 year old. So at the time they were, you know, you know, five and six. And I was, I was spending three or four months away from them. And then when you, if you've ever worked the private sector before, you know that you're everything. It starts and ends with you. So, you know, you're getting to work early in the morning throughout the day. You don't really see your kids if they're in school. And then you're working from about three till nine, 10 that night. It's been on how you have to clean up. You have, you're the custodian, you're the business manager, you're the trainer, you're everything. So then when, you know, Coach Clark, I knew it was going to be a lot of long hours in college, collegiate sports like there are, but having to only work with football, I knew there would be times of the year when I would be able to spend more time with my family. And and that has been the case. You know, we would work long hours during the season, but in the off season, there's, um, there's uh, times when I, when I get to spend a lot of time with my family, you know what I mean? And, and, and being coach Clark and the man he is and coach deal for now, you know, it's, it's nothing to, to bring your kids to work every day with you and have them up in this atmosphere. So that's one thing that drew me just from the personal side, you know, from the professional side, you know, I missed it. I missed being part of the team setting. I missed, uh, you missed really, you know, I got a little bit of that in high school, but not really the all in that it is here. And the biggest thing that drew me just specifically to this job was where they started this program from the ground up. So they shut the program down. I'm sure as everybody's aware in 2014, didn't have football for two years. And we started from scratch and that really appealed to me. I really wanted to do that. And so we've, we're here in year eight now and have built it from the ground up. So, you, you know, you take a lot of ownership in this program and this, and this, everything that in this institution you have here. So uh, that's been a really, that was a really cool deal and something I wouldn't, from a professional standpoint, wouldn't trade anything for. Awesome coach. And talk about that from starting from the scratch up in a collegiate program like that, because you know, that's not oftentimes that we're walking in into, a, you know, a fresh, brand new program. You know, talk to us a, a little bit about, you know, just starting from basically ground zero. Yeah, it was really interesting. So we trained for basically two years before we got back to play. And it started in 2015. I was kind of from I had a prior commitment to finish a big combine class that year in Orlando. We had 27 guys. So I couldn't train on on site. So I knew a couple of my assistants were so I had some the assistants that I started year one with. They were already there and I was doing a lot of satellite work. So a lot of consultations, setting things up. And like at the time, they only had 30 players. So there was, you know, maybe 10 guys that they had signed and another 20 that stayed over from the other team that were basically local guys and guys that. They didn't want to go anywhere. They thought their careers were over, and they just they set they set the program back up in 2015, and so that rolled into when I got there in March of 2016. We had about 60 guys, and <laughs> honestly, it, it was wild, man. I mean, I can't. It's hard to explain to people now. It is a lot like the longest yard. I mean, you were getting guys from from all sorts of places. They changed the eligibility rules and had did a waiver for a year. So we were able to take guys that weren't a- eligible and go to other places. So, you know, 
great players ended up being great men, but the guys had had made some mistakes and had had things go their way. So we were a really big second chance you, and for most guys, we were the real last chance you. And we spent two years of training and developing, and then when you there there was no blueprint or recipe. You know, as, as you well know, in strength conditioning, if you want to know something, you're call around and you're asking, Hey, how did you guys do this? And there's always some blueprint. And, you know, always a big saying is you want to learn that new idea, then, then pick up an old book, right? There's, there's lots of ways, there's people to talk to. Nobody had ever done this at this level, at this scale. So we didn't have really a blueprint to go off of. So we were learning on the ropes, learning as we go. We had a great staff uh, that understood what we were trying to accomplish. We ended up, um, you know, golly just just getting some players that i mean they're still in the nfl right now you know but and we knew we had to get older fast so we took a lot of junior college guys i want to say when our roster got up to 75 that i want to say 58 of them were junior college guys not only junior college athletes guys that that couldn't make the grades in junior college so because we had that waiver but uh all ended up being great young men that in leaving here, leaving here with their degrees. And we were very successful from year one up, but that was just, it was just relentless engagement, relentless work. And, um, you know, from a training standpoint, I mean, we started at the basics of the basics and we rode that out for about a year. And so we felt by the time that we started, you know, it was actually year three, those guys have been training for two years. We were rusty on the football side, but you know, on the strength side and in the movement side, we felt really good with where we were at. Awesome. And, you know, not many schools get a chance to go and, you know, train for two years until their competition starts, man. That that's right. pretty that's pretty remarkable. I mean, uh, you know, again, like you said, on the football side, you know, a little rusty because they probably couldn't practice, you know, NCAA rules, um, you know, prohibit some of those things, you know, from happening. But, you know, on the training side of it, I mean, bigger, faster, stronger. Your guys are, you know, continuously getting stronger, continuously getting faster. And then now you're kind of seeing the, the result of, you know, your kind of ground zero program. And, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it, it, it was a neat deal. Like, like you just stated, it's, it's, it's funny because it was kind of a double-edged sword is where, what are we going to do with these guys leading up? And, we noticed that, like, man, I wish I could I could train everybody like this. I wish I could get it two or three years with every guy before I hit the field. I'm sure every strength coach would, would say that. And so now you these guys were so far ahead when we got into year three and four, these older veterans that these young guys we were bringing in. And we had, they had to, these younger guys had to play for us because the roster turnover was so great. You signed 44 guys in one year, two, three years down the road, you're losing 44 seniors. So these young guys. And they are so far behind with these guys that have been two or three years of training age inside of a program. We're having to get them ready in three to six months. And they had to they had to fill a role on the field. So you had to you had to kind of flip your strategy and, and flip what you were your blueprint, what you were doing and and, and, get, and get, get it going. So, man, the, the way we were able to navigate and work in and out, I was lucky to have some really great assistance with me. And, and luckily, the, you know, the staff we were working for understood the assignment and was never, never once got in the way. And you hear a lot of nightmare scenarios, especially now with you being able to not deal with a sport coach and, and, and having conflicting ideas. We were, the reason we were successful and the reason we will continue to be successful is everybody was on the same page. 
it, it takes i heard it because i'm an educator as well a teacher as well as a strength coach you know it takes a was it, it takes a village to raise Absolutely. a child but it also takes a, a it takes a community it takes a team to build a program up too so it doesn't you know it's not just on the shoulders of like for example a head football coach right a head football coach can't do it all uh you, you know you gotta rely heavily on your assistants to you know deliver the best coaching possible to those subcategories of oc dc special teams o-line d-line um in the same way for strength i mean you can't do everything as a head strength coach you know you gotta rely on your assistants and to have good assistance is pretty fortunate yes so talk to us a little bit more about the college realm because it's really changed within probably the last few years of um, transfer portal and everything like that. So talk to us a little bit about what you're seeing at the Division One level. Yeah, you know, God, you know, number one, I'll say this. I'm all for any opportunity that our players get to better themselves, anything that they need. So, you know, the opportunities are just endless. I try to explain to some of my teammates I played with 23 years ago you know, 24 or five years ago, however long it is now, that the the way these college athletics is set up. So the opportunities that they have are really unbelievable. And we push anything that our kids can get in that way. The problem is in our world, and we saw this coming when it was mentioned about five or six years ago, we always knew that our our group of where we are, which is, you know, a lot of people refer to the group of five, where we have really talented players that we had to spend years and years developing. And this is not just us. Any team that is not in the Power Five will tell you the same story. Any I've talked to so many coaches that have great relationships with that are on this level. You have to spend, you know, 85% of the time, 85% of the guys that you sign are going to be developmental players. They're going to be undersized high school guys. Or they're going to be, um, you know, maybe as a junior college player that 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 lacked in a few year, areas here and there is reason it's on Power Five, and you might take a year or two developing those guys. But a lot of your high school guys, especially the big guys, and this is what I'm talking about: your offensive linemen, your defensive linemen, guys. You're getting undersized players inside here, and you're developing. And listen, you're, you're signing. You know, you're a program like us is spitting two or three. NFL guys out a year that had to develop and they become great players. Well, the problem is now is you're almost serving, if we're going to be honest, as a minor league baseball farm league in some of these power five schools. Okay. So not only are you going to lose or have a chance to lose a really good chance because of the financial implication of the, uh, the name image and likeness and what they can do. So the transfer portal is something I'm not a huge fan of, you know, unless the situation is right. But in NIL, I'm something I am uh, like, I'm a huge proponent of NIL name image and likeness. I think they should, the athletes should be provided to get what they should opportunity. If they have created the opportunity should get paid and, and reimbursed and anything you want to say. But the problem is, is when you combine the two together, it's a recipe for, you know, just basically, you know, picking and cherry picking and choosing from the best players in the, in the group of five, you know, so there is a lot of tampering that goes on there. I mean, it's just, honestly, there is, and there's uh and the way it goes about, it, it's almost not fair to the kid as far as like, you know, if a, a big school comes on and, and offers, 
uh, player of hundreds of thousands of dollars, and the kid has one or two years left. If, if like it's just like our head coach says, if, if I'm a player centric coach and I'm all for the player, it's hard for me to not even tell the kid to go take that half a million dollars and go and go go play at a good university. But the frustrating part with you is is when you lose a couple guys a year. Some of these schools are losing 10, 15 guys a year. Then you have to go back and you've, you've got to go down and you've got to pluck somebody from another lower level. And you've got to do the same thing to the lower level to replace that guy. Because you, you can't replace a fully developed uh, athlete with an underdeveloped athlete or you're going to lose. And so it changed the course from just a strictly training standpoint of how we approach things once again. So we, we're navigating in and out of bringing a program back and then learning how to sustain it with rolling younger guys in to fit the things that we've done good. And now you you look at a guy, and uh, and sadly enough, this is this is the course of what happens. I bring an underdeveloped uh, offensive lineman in. I spend three to five years developing him. Three, I mean, excuse me, two, three to four years. He's gone because everybody's looking for bigs, and those guys are getting a lot of money. They pull an offensive lineman from us. Then I've got to replace them with somebody else. Well, now our head coach, if they're if they're reaching down into the FCS level to get a, a, a developed offensive lineman, you start you start skipping out because it's the same process we did when we were successful bringing the program back. I've got to get old fast, so I can't replace old guys with young guys. Old guys with young guys, so I've got to replace an older guy that we lose with a developed older guy from a lower level university. Now who's getting hurt in that process is the developed player that's working two to three years. They will stop signing the high school underdeveloped guy and take that scholarship and move it towards a developed uh, lower level FCS or whoever it might be, offensive lineman. So the thing that you love the most about the job, at least my favorite, was watching these kids that came in at you know, 6'4", 6'5", 230 pounds that have worked themselves into a 290, 300-pound guy. I mean, a good kid that, uh, that that's going to have a great future because they were a late developer at the next level or are very successful at this level. Uh, that, that guy is, is never getting developed. Right. So because where where is he going to go? So all the great the ones that are developed earlier in high school are going to go to the power five and then it's, it's just it's just a vicious cycle. Right. So it changes what we're doing from a training standpoint. So, you know, if I if we would get starts talking just X's and O's where we would like slow play somebody and really spend a lot of time in the developmental stage. Right. So if we say we had six phases and there's six phases we look at. So number one being movement mobility, number two being coordination and balance. And if for us, it's strength, speed, power, and then the last one's repeatability. We'd spend a long time in those first three phases right there to make sure we had an unbelievable foundation before we move forward. That could be years. You know, that could be, we wouldn't force it. We just let it happen. And you know, it could be a lot of things like developing lifestyle habits outside of the, what happens in a weight room, things in the weight room, a lot of things that affect it. Well, now that we, we don't have the luxury of two to three years, we've got to replace those guys fast. Um, you know, we we are we change our style to more of a profiling. So we went to more of a profiling from uh, outside of the weight room. You know, velocity profiling and load profiling. So we thought well, we could find the individual weaknesses on a player faster, right? 
and uh, we could kind of speed the process up by having more individualized programming. Well, that's awesome. And, and, and it, hey, that works. And it's been a great approach for us. It does work. The problem with that with us is you need a lot of manpower to be able to do that because that's a lot of sifting through data. That's a lot. If I've, if I've only got one coach in the weight room and there's there are four different uh, styles of programs going on at the same time, that's tough on that coach. Luckily for us, with our new coach who came in, we were able to hire two more guys, so it made it possible. But before that, it's something that would have been really extremely hard to do. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I I see it from the high school side because I deal with the high school athletes a lot. And that transfer portal is starting to minimize those opportunities for high school, you know, athletes to go to the college realm. Unless you are really big you know, talented five-star prospect, you know, those are the ones that are going to, like, your Bamas, your Power 5 schools. And now yes. you're starting to get, you know, maybe not as developed athletes. Because let's just be honest, in the high school realm, not every high school has a, high, you know, a qualified, certified strength and conditioning coach. So you are almost getting these kids that walk in underdeveloped, or you're getting these athletes that are developed, but they're later on in their career. Yes, absolutely. So true. And then, you know, the college football was built around that underdeveloped guy. You know, there's more of those guys than there are the, the high-level talent guys. There might be a guy, a kid that's ready to step into the Power Five and at least take a year of developing or maybe even ready to play. You might see one of those guys every five to ten years. But I could go through a roster every time in high school, and I could find – I could you could take – three to four to five guys almost in every school and say if that kid given the right opportunity could go play at the next level. And, and it, but you're missing out on that kid now because everything starts and you're going to finally reach the point two or three years after this has happened where there's just a gap to where, you know, there's all those guys that have been kind of that pond's been fished out. So what's going to happen to all these kids, there'll be a resurgence. And, but it's, um, it, it, it's a strange cycle. We've never been through it before. We've never seen it. So I don't know where it starts and stops here over the next couple of years. Yeah. I, you know, I couldn't imagine being a college strength coach and having different players just kind of filter in and out of your program. You know, you spend two years here, three years here, you're going down to Alabama or LSU, whatever. Well, you got this guy coming in from some JUCO, and then you got this guy coming in from, you know, the high school. Run. I mean, that's that's pretty vicious, man. Um, you know, and the program for that's got to look insane. And you were talking about a little bit too, because you're talking about like different coaches were doing different programs, you know, kind of to individualize, you know, where athletes were. So like, how do you just collect all that data that you're seeing in all the programs and know, you know, that you are getting each individual athlete what they need in order to progress? Right. You know, Luckily for us, you know, we've, you know, we've grown our staff so much because we have progressed as, as we've had some success. And so that's been able for us to expand, you know, and it was just, I had a staff of two full-time guys for the first three or four years here and it grew to three. And then now, now we're at four full-time guys and I'm able to have some paid internships as well. So we've got a, we got a really good, I'm blessed at this level to really have the guy that I've got really good. I mean, really good assistance in which I probably won't be able to hold on to those guys for long, but that's fine. That's fine. You know, those guys, when it's time for them to, to move on to greener pastures, I'll support it 
100%. I always have. And when you have a, you need manpower to be able to do what we're doing right now. You need guys, like I said, we're sitting here, we're, we've got a lot of, with a lot of eyes on the floor one time. Number one, number two, sifting through data nonstop. Number three, even perform being able to perform these, these tests in the amount of time we need them to turn around and to program them. We all do the same thing. I've even taken a step back over, over the last couple of years is where I handle most of the field stuff. And then I have one of my assistants that handles most of the stuff in the weight room. And then we divvy the stuff up and we uh, divvy responsibilities up after that. You know, it was hard for me to let go of the weight room like that, but like, once I was able to do that and focus on one aspect and let him focus on somebody, focus on the other aspect, as long as we were working hand in hand, it definitely enhanced our program. The way that we do it, you know, most of our uh, load profiling is going to be done off force plates. Uh, we work with a great company called Vault and they store all that stuff. So that makes it a lot easier. We have to sift through the data. Um, you know, they've even got it now where you can use the, the, the timing gates outside for a lot of the velocity stuff that I do outside. I handle most of the velocity profiling outside and they're even, you know, we still take it by hand, but they even provide it. And it's something we'll do over the next year or so are timing gates that sift all that data into and loaded it up into a cloud and we're able to pull through that and see. And we already have guys kind of like earmarked or, or flagged or whatever you want to call it. If they hit this number, they're they're directly put into this category and then this category. And that, and that makes it a lot easier because we did it the old fashioned way the first couple of years. And, and you've got a thousand sheets in your office and the whole walls of your office looks like something crazy. And your whiteboards look like a science experiment, you know what I mean? But and it's cool. And, it, and that's the way you should learn it, because you really have to teach yourself. And then just as far as how do we do it, it was just it was just reaching out to great people. You know what I mean? That we we're looking at Ryan Grubbs, who's now at the Houston Texans, helped me out a lot with it when he was a guy I knew when he was at Liberty. Um, Les Spellman does a lot of good stuff on the field. See, they've done some sports and stuff like that together. So as far as like understanding and being able to, because this, you know, I had a style of training that I was used to, but when it, when I seen that how kind of how the, uh, the landscape of college football and college sports had always changing and you know, what's more we can do for the athlete at the same time, being able to to onboard our process a little bit faster and a little bit smoother. Um, you know, I always thought I was filling all these buckets on our own. And some people are able to do that, you know, and still able to do that. And um, but I just saw this um, as being able to solve the problem a little bit faster, you know, what I mean? and get to the athlete a little bit faster and, and develop the athlete a little bit faster. And if if in the, the way that the athlete is now when they come in, there's a lot of um, access to to information for those guys out there. And once you let them know that, hey, from a, from a training and nutritional standpoint, I've got your best interest in mind and I'm going to individualize your program, you get buy-in a lot sooner than you normally would. If you were to go back and look at the um, the grades that players gave individual strength staffs in the NFL. I don't know if you saw that report that came out and, you know, some of these staffs were given, the players were given their staffs, you know, C's and D's and, and some of them were getting A's and A pluses. If you saw the reasoning behind it and they went in there and on the side where they wrote was like all the lower grades were like lack of individualized program and the higher grades was like, we felt they curtailed and put a program together that was geared towards what I needed individually. Whether that's right or wrong, you know what I mean? Whether right or wrong on that, 
it does, you kind of see where, you know, kind of where this generation is going. As long as you, you, you know, you can show that I've got your best interest in mind. Number one, number two, I can, um, I can uh, help you individually and, and, and keep you from getting hurt. Right. I mean, you know, I'm, I've got a, I've got a better way of doing it, a faster way of doing that. Number three, now, can I take that, even though everything is individualized, and show you how it works towards more a team goal, right? Th- th- then you're winning. But as far as, like, the, the training aspect of it goes, it, there's a lot involved in it, especially um, – I said, this guy's in the weight room that want to r- run my uh, weight room are really good. So, you know, they might have as much as four or five different things going on at one time inside. Whereas up outside, I can I can roll through one or two different things and change, make little subtle changes here and there. So uh, they've got a little bit harder than I do inside, but that's why you hire smart guys, right? Absolutely, coach. And that's kind of neat that you're able to do that and know, you know, for sure that you are meeting the needs for each of these athletes because each athlete that you, you know, you know walks into your program, it's got a different training age. You might have the high school kid that you know weight trained with you know, they're a football coach, whatever, and they're coming into your program, you know, fresh, and you got to reteach everything, or you're, you're getting this guy from a community college that is, training age is probably about two or three years, proper, you know, college training, and then seven-tier program, and you're there, you know, to progress this um, training even further, man. That's pretty neat. Uh, kind of a side conversation here. What technology do you all have at UAB? So we use... Uh... We use Elite Form. You know, we've had that since 2017 with the VBT. Uh, that's been phenomenal for us. That's uh, we've been with them for a long time now, and uh, God, we've we've got really comfortable how to train and how to program. Uh, you know, a lot of our stuff. Like I said, you know, VBT is is a great tool for us to use and what we need to do. So you know, from the as far as like, hey, what about this? You know, what about this guy's load? This guy's load. Where does this guy need to be? I, I, okay, let's just set a threshold from a velocity standpoint or from a power output. What we want to see. There's a lot of ways to get there, but we still need to get to this point. You know, based on all these different programs, that really helps a lot. You know what I mean? So this guy might be doing a different type of set. And this guy might be in a badger protocol. This guy might be in a cluster set, might, you know, whatever, you know, and, and, but we still need to move the bar fast today, or we still want to get to this. That's really helped us uh, from the GPS side. We use connects on, we've been those guys for a couple of years. I think I feel like their products keep getting better and better. And then vault with us, you know, force plates. We used the dynamo for, uh, for different types of uh, individual you know, testing as far as like, I mean, I got with that dynamo, there's, there's a thousand different things I can test, you know what I mean? So if we ever feel something, Hey, I wish we could look at that and test that. That's something we can pull into right there. We, um, conduct is what we use for kind of our weight training as far as, excuse me, not weight training, but weight scale, looking at hydration stuff like that. We use, uh, you know, it's not really great technology, but every day we're using a refractometer with our guys to see if they're hydrated or not, you know, uh, all different, you know, types of um, everything that ties it in together. Uh, we're looking at smarter base right now to be able to have one hub for everything. I don't know if that's something we're going to do. It sure would help. You know what I mean? The thing that's kind of tie all this stuff in together. But as far as technology goes, that that's where we sit right now. Awesome. And I want to ask this too. Uh, since you're having all these individualized programs, what does a normal like day look like for you? 
or what does a normal day look like for your athletes? You know, in their training sessions, what does it usually look like? Yeah, so, um, you know, most most of the time, I'd say the majority of the time, we run a lot of small groups. So we do have a developmental group that we use that are mostly the high school guys that have come in and some of these new guys, depending on if they're a one or second year transfer or a third or fourth year transfer. Um, it, what, depending on the, the type of training they had in the background at, at, at the junior college, whether it was high or low, you know, um, we have a developmental group that usually starts the day off. That looks totally different than what the other guys are doing. And then we run half, half the time of year, I would say we run groups based on, like I said, individual strengths and weaknesses, you know, so we'll have an acceleration group outside, a max velocity group outside a transition group outside inside, you know, we'll have, you know, either a strength speed or a speed strength based on what, what we have, what your load profile looks like. We, we have a GPP group. That's, um, it's going to be a lot of, um, what our developmental guys run. And then we have guys that, you know, we, we do have some just straight strength guys that are just not strong, you know what I mean? And, and then our, our coaching staffs are really good at moving in and out of, um, navigating where those guys need to be and we're moving those groups in and out then the other half of the year is based on your position because obviously in college football and same as high school now you're getting a lot of cut guys where they they've, they've changed a lot of rules where they can basically practice year round right so we if this coach is wanting to run seven on seven or he's wanting to take his position group at this time then you're gonna have to you know you still got to play football right you've got you've got to be good at the sport itself and so we know that we've got to pull back a little bit and maybe pull them out of that group and put them in a position group. And when we do that, basically the, the core of your workout is all going to look the same, but your maybe most of your auxiliary stuff is still going to be curtailed to their strengths and weaknesses on the back end of what they need to do. So that's what it looks like. Um, you know, just an interesting fact is that we've noticed over the last couple of years of doing this is um a lot of these guys, we we throw them no matter what from coming from high school into a developmental program. But man, I've really noticed, especially in this state of Alabama, how much better high school strength and conditioning is getting year in and year out. I mean, every there's there's a high school that's hiring a full time guy every other week. I have high school coaches telling me, "Hey, we're we're about to hire a full time position." So. The guys that are coming in, the freshmen, I mean, some of these guys, we're moving them in and out of this developmental group to the the uh, the upper groups into uh, in like, you know, three, two or three weeks is where we would normally keep these guys in here for five to six months, maybe a year. You know what I mean? So some of these guys are coming in just like really developed and really, you know, ahead of the curve. Their 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 basics and you know their their foundational movements are so good, and I think that's a sign of a really good high school strength coach or any strength coach for that matter of fact. That man, man, this is a guy we can progress. So, you know, moving like that that's something that we've really noticed. So even though we have that developmental group, um, that developmental group can shrink fast because if if they're ready to go, we don't hold them back because we don't know for how many long. Like I said, the way things are changing. We might only have that guy for a year or two. We don't we don't look at me as a down the road guy. And our coaching staff is the same way. It doesn't matter. The best guys are going to play. The best. So if we've got to get them ready and they're ready to go, we're not going to hold them back. We're going to move them on. Yeah, absolutely. And you know that's the whole goal of high school strength conditioning for I, I guess for what we're trying to do at the high school realm because 
you know, time is money, man. Time is crucial. Yeah. So, you know, if we can minimize college coaches, you know, that developmental time of having to reteach, relearn everything and get y'all rolling. I mean, that's the that's the whole you know goal between high school and college. Uh, that's the goal of high school strength coaches is, you know, making that gap just a little bit smaller to where, you know, they're, you're not taking the time to sit there and reteach how to hinge, reteach how to squat, reteach how to press and do all these foundational movements that they can get in and get out of that developmental program and get rolling with what they want to do. And that's get stronger, get faster, and play the sport. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think you touched on it right there. Bridging the gap is definitely the best thing you can do for the student athlete. And and even when I was in a private sector and we had, golly, we had so many kids. And the area I was in was really just flooded with talent. A lot of guys made us look good, right? A lot of NFL guys left from there, Major League Baseball, whatever. And I made it a point when I was in a private sector to know kind of the, the style of the program that the kid, the athlete was going into. And maybe if it was a little bit different than I taught, as long as it, it didn't affect the athlete from a safety standpoint or long-term development, then uh, I was going to teach them that. I'd be like, hey, let's, let's switch up a little bit there. So when they transitioned in, they were comfortable. It gave the kid a lot of confidence. And if you make it about the athlete and not about yourself, it's going to be so much better, not only for that athlete, obviously, but for yourself down the road. Absolutely, Coach. And that's, that's the end game of what we want, man. You know, it's, it's about the athlete. It's not about us. It's not about, you know, our, our selfish needs as coaches. But, you know, for the athlete, for them to be healthy and for them to succeed in their sport. Absolutely. I 100% agree. All right. Let's go ahead and start wrapping some things up here. Um, I wanted to ask this question because I, I think it's a very um, interesting question. Where'd you get the name Strengthzilla? <laughs> yeah. I tell you, you know, um, golly, at, at one point when we had our five gyms, one of them was an MMA gym that um, in Mobile, Alabama who is, is still an MMA gym down there. It's called Port City MMA. And I have a buddy of mine, Jimmy Mills, who used to be a fighter. Um, I trained him and we kind of got the idea. It's like, you know, we need to do something together after being together three or four years. Well, we went in and did a MMA gym and uh, I handled the strength conditioning aspect of it. My wife, you know, did pitching lessons out of there too in Mobile, Alabama. And he had, man, he had a full-size octagon and a, uh, and a boxing ring and, every, and, and trained a ton of guys that fought in the UFC and, and still does. Unbelievable coach. But he introduced me to a guy named Alan Belcher, who is now the uh, – he was a UFC vet, an unbelievable, toughest guys I've ever met in my life. And he is even uh, – right now, he is the heavyweight champion of Bare Knuckles Fighting Championships. So, I mean, just a, just a dude, you know what I mean? And, but Alan is still to this day very creative on the business side. And as like uh, we started doing a lot of things together, getting ready for some main events that he was uh, uh, head co-headlining um, co in uh, these UFC events. And so the media portion got really big. He's like, you know, you just can't be you just can't be loud. You've got to have something edgy. You know, you got to have like we got to drive. We got to drive stuff to your Twitter page and do stuff like that. He came up with the name Strengthzilla. And it was a whole, it was a whole MMA thing. It was going to be an MMA strength conditioning site, but I kind of moved out of there. And I was told Alan, I said, hi, Alan, I know, you know, I'm kind of getting out of this world, but man, can, I'm going to keep that handle strings hill. It's kind of cool. He said, man, you got it. So that's where it came from. He's the one that came up with it. And it's just, I could never let go of it because you just kind of the, you know, the, the history of it, you know. 
Well, I, I I'm always curious about nicknames and you know their strength conditioning or just in just in general, man, where you know those originate from. And I saw yours, I was like, I gotta ask him about it because that's pretty unique. <laughs> yeah, I wish I was creative enough to come up with it, but I did not. All right, let's go ahead and start wrapping things up here. So I've always done this on every single episode. It's called Conjugate Coach Spotlight. So is there anyone out there that you want to shout out or highlight that's making the difference in strength and conditioning? Golly, man. We could sit here and have this conversation for another hour. You know, I've had – I've come across so many talented guys that have went through this program – you know, non this program, and when I was in the private sector, and everyone was like highly successful in what they do. Um, you know, and, there, and there's on a weekly basis, there's four or five guys I'm looking to, whether they know it or not, to get information from and see how they're doing it and things like that. But, uh, you know, I, I just, I would, I, I would kick myself in the head if I didn't just highlight, you know, my three assistants that I, that I have here. Who are just like kind of unsung heroes, you know what I mean? What they do, um, you know, uh, Bryant Novick, uh, Jason Jones, and uh, Jake Venables was one of the guys. Just what they do on a daily basis, and then and then Santonio Jones, who is our who's our intern, who just does an unbelievable job. These guys, I mean, they get in there, they do the dirty work, they do the grunt work, but they are always trying to learn and get better. And, you know, bouncing ideas off each other, reaching out, trying to get more creative. But, like, um, I could not do what we do on a daily basis with those guys. And our athletes are better every single day because of those four guys right there. Awesome, Coach. Well, thank you for, you know, taking time and being on the Conjugate Chats, man. And, you know, telling what you're doing at UAB. And it's pretty remarkable what you're doing down there. So, um, and it's awesome to be able to connect with you, too. Hey, I appreciate it, Coach. Man, thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. And that's another episode of the Conjugate Chats. Please follow our social media platforms at Conjugate Chat Podcast on Twitter and TikTok. Also follow Lyle on his social medias as well. In the name of strength, stay strong and have a day today. Before we end this episode here, I wanted to bring the light to something. Um, most people on here are either strength coaches or aspiring strength coaches. Um, for those that are aspiring strength coaches out there, um, I set up a Gumroad account, uh, store even, to provide value back into the field of strength conditioning. Starting with, um, I have study guides on there uh, for anyone that's not past the CSCS or is going to take the CSCS. Um, these are study guys that I've developed over the last three years that I've used in my attempts to pass the CSCS and I wanted to bring that value here to our podcast. 
So if you will go to the link in the description of this episode, you'll see a link to my Gumroad in which you can purchase or just download for free uh, the study guides for CSCS, a couple of my guides for in uh, in season training, and also um, a couple of our products in there as well. Again, thank you for listening in on the Conjure Chats, and thank you for your continuous support.